flexibility, low stakes, no rush, then you're in great shapes. Curiosity, then you get to have your stories because then you can play with them, right? Like, oh, I never knew that about that person. That's fascinating, <laughs> right? It can just like, you're, you know what? The other part of it is it's the smart brain. It will learn. It will take in new information. It's reflective. It's all good. Welcome to Therapist Uncensored. Building on decades of professional experience, this podcast tackles neurobiology, modern attachment, and more in an honest way that's helpful in healing humans. Your session begins now with Dr. Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. So often when we talk about understanding ourselves, we talk about it through understanding the spectrum and our internal working model. So today, let's simplify it. What do you think? Well, it's simplify it, but it's also going deeper into it. I, I would even almost call it going deeper. So the spectrum, we start getting interested in colors and up and down. And is it dorsal vagal or ventral vagal or whatever? And I think your idea of let's deep dive into the basics of this. I love the way you talk about it because it feels so usable. So recognizing what internal working model that we function in is really, really important. But every day, our body is responding to our environment and responding to itself. Well, what do you mean responding to itself? Well, you know how we're always talking about story follows state. Sometimes, in fact, we might even just start there. People always, what do you mean by story follows state? What does that mean? So that's the part where our body responds so much faster than our mind. You know, we say this all the time on our podcast, but we give way too much credit to that frontal lobe of ours and the story that we're telling. Meaning, let's say an example is we're having this crappy time at work and we're so stressed and all we can think about is how sucky the people that we work with or the job we have and that's causing us to feel anxious and bad. And so our story is people at work bad, my job bad, and that's why I feel anxious and upset. And then we go, oh, here it goes again. Now we have another meeting. Like then we begin to look for information that supports our story. Yes, absolutely. That's that repetitive nature we talk about, that habitual, that when we feel trapped by the repetitive, oh God, the prediction, now we know it's going to happen. It sucks. Yeah. So part of what she's referring to is like 90% of what goes on in our brain comes from inside of our body. So this is where the, the story becomes so important. You know, neuroanatomists talk about that a feeling is 90 seconds. So your example of the work, it's like, okay, if something happens, you get a bad review, you're going to have an actual primary affect, but it's only 90 seconds of like shock or anger or whatever. Shame. (laughs) Shame. And then after that, we continue that response in our body through the story we tell. What do we say? Oh, the only reason I got a bad review is because so-and-so doesn't like me or they're jealous. So because we're having the state issue, we're having state meaning the feeling in our body, whether it's our heart rate's gone up or we're feeling anxious, we feel that and we got to figure out how to change it, stop it or handle it. And one of the first things we do is we look outside of ourselves. Who's causing this? It's my job. Mm -hmm. Or or I suck. See, I suck again. I messed up again. That's a story. That is the story. I love that because it's not just telling the story of the victim in the world. You can say, I suck. And it's the story that we tell that amplifies in our body, our heart rate, even the hormones that we send off. The more we feel a little anxiety and we think it's because I'm trapped and it's because my partner sucks or my business sucks. 
And then we start amplifying. But the truth is we're amplifying the chemical reaction in our body, right? Oh, that's so true. You know, we're talking about it as if those words come across a screen, like that we're aware of saying I suck. But I also think that like, it's a story that isn't necessarily, or at least how do you experience the story part? Isn't that interesting to think? Yeah. Like, is it, do we hear it in our minds or? I think my story becomes a little repetitive, like ruminative. But I do think it's words. I think, I think it's different for different people. It could be images for some people, words for others. But I think I can feel the pit at times and that I'm looking for what around me is the risk? What is the threat? And so I'll like, I'll feel the pits like, what happened last night? Why am I feeling this anxiety? And then I'm searching for what it is that happened, the event that is making the pit of my stomach feel that. My experience is, is like, when you're saying it, you're saying I'm searching for, which I think is accurate, 100%. But as far as the felt experience, I don't think it feels like we're searching for a story. The story just is. True. You know, like, she's late again. Of course she's late. She just thinks she's better than me, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is. I'm trying to think of a real one. But anything in your mind as you're listening that sort of has the flavor of, yeah, this always happens, dot, dot, dot. This is a repetitive story. My husband never listens to me. Right. My wife is never happy with me. Right. No matter what I do, she feels critical of me. I can do nothing right. And I think the important part for today's episode is why is it so important that we're talking about story versus the state? And I think conceptualizing how we take care of our bodies and how we tune into our bodies, instead of thinking about it in this moment as internal working model, in some ways, like you said, I want to make it simple but deep. And that is, are you aware of what nervous system in your body that you're activating, right? We have the part of our system that we talk a lot about that wants to protect us. It wants to defend us. It feels a threat in the environment, and it activates our body in a threat response. And for today's purpose, we're going to call it our protective system. For a while, we were playing with calling it, you know, like the peace and security department and the defense department. <laughs> it's like, which one is activated? But I like where you're going of like, are we in our protective system? Because it's a whole dynamic cascade. Or are we in our, what, our relational system? Relation or connective system. Right, because again, for neuroatypical folks, it's not necessarily other people that causes that sense of well-being. But it's like, are you open to yourself? Are you open to others? That is what you're calling the relational protective system. Right, and relational, I love that clarity. Relational can be in relation to yourself as well. It's right. not just in relation to somebody else. But is your system open or is it, closed. And when we feel a danger, we have to have our system closed down. That is just in our human nature. But what I love about what you're saying, again, is like, because a lot of times I'll say something about, oh, something about somebody being in threat. And they're like, I'm not scared. I'm not in threat. That person's just an idiot. <laughs> so I think the felt experience isn't that language. Like, it's not threat. But this is what you're trying to say, is that what we're looking for is what our body is doing in order for us to figure out what's happening instead of us thinking, oh, I'm in threat, which I never think that. Right. We don't. Ha yeah, that's a I really great way to words. say it. No, but but what you're saying is instead of trying to do it through our cognition, that I think where you're going with this is a, around helping people identify just that binary. Are you in an open place or not? Are yeah. you protective are you, or not? So both. Are you in a protective place, or are you activating in others a protective place? Oh, that's good. Because when we're trying, let's say, if we bring into conflict in any relationship, it could be a spouse, your child, your sibling, doesn't matter. 
the more awareness we have of our state, think about your state separate from the story. So we're in a fight, we're pissed, my husband never listens to me, my wife always criticizes me. But if we slow down, okay, wait, wait, what state is my body in? That's what we're wanting to invite you to so think about. So how can you tell? So if I'm in a state of, let's start with the protective system. If I'm in a, a protective or more of our defense. Right, so it doesn't matter if you're upregulated or downregulated. Exactly. We're just saying, are you in defense? Are you in a protective mode? Right. And one of the ways that you can tell, number one, is you're feeling the heart rate go up. That may be one example, but it also can be that you're going flatter. There's lots of ways to tell. It kind of depends on what is activating. You mentioned, are you going up or down? There's, you're going to have different signals that you're in your defense depending on what you're doing. But being curious about what system you're in, you know the funny thing about that even before you can tell, the fact that you get curious about what system you're in. Oh, yep, that's already a plus sign right there. Yeah, if you can even go, okay, which, which system I am? Am I in my protective system or am I in my connective? And here's the funny thing. We think so often we're in the connective because... I'm pissed at you, Sue, and I need to tell you why I'm pissed, and I need to tell you now. No, I can't wait. You, I'm telling you, you need to sit down. We need to talk about this. We can talk this. about it later. Just what's the... Yeah. No, we need to talk about it now. I am really pissed, and this is really important, and we can't wait till later. I don't know what my story is, why I can't talk about it later, but you know why I can't? Because my heart rate is up. The pressure is happening behind my eyes. The sound in my ear is changing. So because I'm having a state that is activated, I believe I have to act on it. Yeah, and you believe it to your toes. I do, and I feel the pressure. That's one indicator. If I have we a We think pressure. we're really smart and that we can <laughs> and we can like, oh no, she's always dodging. So I'm gonna not let her dodge this time. And I'm, we're gonna talk about it right now. <laughs> And we're not in any uncertainty. I think that's another clue. Right. I love that. Certainty is a problem. (laughs) Yeah. If you absolutely know, like, I'm right, I have expertise in this area, and you need to listen to me. If you say that a lot, I want you to be self-aware that you might live in your protective system. And some of us live, because of our history, more in our protective system. A lot of us, yeah, right? you know, when our when our foot is unintentionally resting on the accelerator, you know, or the idea of kind of chronic vigilance feels familiar. That is that your body is just oriented in this protective way, exactly. Or if you feel kind of defended and a little confident all the time, but kind of uncomfortable with the more difficult emotions of other people or your own, you might be living. You might live more in your protective state and. This whole dialogue is also going to sound familiar because it's including our internal working models that we might live more in red or we might live more in blue. But today we want you just to think about the protective versus the connective and the fact that the more that we can look at our system and we can go, wait, this conversation I want to have with you, Sue, is really important and I can feel this pressure. So I'm going to realize I am in my protective well, I'm, system. I'm, not, I'm busy right now. Can we talk about it later? Right now my heart rate just went up and I'm more pissed right? Because now my story is, now I'm increasing my story. You're going to blow me off. My narrative is all about you now. And now I have to work even harder. That actually is really great. When we're in our protective state, it has become often about the other person. (laughs) And then, you know, like if I'm feeling defensive and somebody's like, listen to you or something like that. I'm like, oh yeah, listen to you, (laughs) right? It's very difficult to reflect. So earlier when you were saying, if you're very confident, 
Here's the difference. If you're very confident and you know what you know and you can see what you see, there's no urgency. You can hold it lightly and you can kind of deeply know in your solar plexus something, but you don't have an urge to convince or to conjole or to persuade that all of those things are cooled off because there's no threat to you making your point or not making your point because you have a deep sense of security and knowing. So I like that one as like one of the clues is a sense of urgency, sense of urgency, sense of urgency, sense of pressure. I have to do it now. And of course, we're not the advocate, nor do we act this out all the time, right? There's plenty oh, of... we do a lot of acting out, but, but a different well, kind. Good point. I mean, like, I mean that we're all going to get in our defensive systems, our protective systems. They're going to activate our body and we're going to act out on it. That is the most human nature thing. What we're working on here is not getting everybody to live in a state of, um, I mean, yes, that would be great. But what we want to do is awareness the pressure I'm feeling towards you to talk right now is because I feel activated. It isn't just because you're being a jerk or because you won't listen to me, or it is because my body is on high alert. So one of the suggestions, even when you're there is I am way too activated to talk, but I'm upset. This is super important. And I want to come back to it. Yeah. This is so important that let's set a time where we're going to come back and talk about it. Yeah. I love that. And then what you want to know is the reason we're calling the other part of our nervous system, where longtime listeners, we're talking about our ventral vagal and our the green ability, zone, the, the green zone. The reason we want to approach it from that way, because it's when we're in our connective experience, we have the ability to feel safer in our body and we're not being ruled by the story. So we can be more reflective, but you know, it's also super, super important. If I walk up to you, and I'm in my defense posture or my protective posture. I'm going to activate every part of your body to come right back for attack. We can't help that. Totally. That's the neural Wi-Fi. I was actually just thinking about that around like, you know, if we could all do a practice of really learning our tells when we are not in that open and connected place. And I was thinking about even sometimes you can see it in someone else, like their face gets still. And there's a little bit more of a mask that goes on. And they're saying, I'm open. I'm not defensive, you know, or whatever. That's the kind of thing. So that as you're talking to one another, you know, maybe poll people around like, you know, how do you know when I'm, I mean, this sounds so therapy-y. I don't, right now I'm not translating it into normal speak. But the idea is like, get to know your own tells. Because what you said earlier is if you're even asking the question, if you're even asking the question, then you're above your limbic system. And the more that you're curious, which is one of your favorite terms, <laughs> um, when you're the more that you're curious, again, that's another sign. So we haven't talked much about the sign of being in our relational or safe or connected place. And I think curiosity is a really good one. It could be that, or it could be this. It's even the awareness of self while in the presence of another. Yeah. The awareness of self. And the fact that I can be aware that I'm, I am, I'm in my defense or protective system, I'm already closer to my relational system. That's totally true. Because the truth of them is the reason we're in our protective system is that we sense danger. That's the only reason our body responds like that. Well, it's your dumb amygdala that yes. senses danger. It's, there's not actual danger necessarily. So it's the belief that we're in danger that continues to tell the story. So when we go, wait, and try this, try this at home. I'm actually not in danger, even if Sue doesn't listen to me right now. 
I am actually not in danger, even though I'm pissed off. So I get to be mad still, you notice. And I get to feel like I was treated, but I don't have to tell myself I'm in danger. So the more we communicate to our body, and that's part of what, you know, the, even the treatment of trying to get trauma into a different place is to let yourself know that you are actually safe even while you're having a big experience. So I can feel I can be safe and know I'm not in danger and still feel upset. And so the, how you know that you're moving towards the relational system is literally that awareness, the ability to go, I can wait, I feel pressure, I'm in a hurt, I'm rushing. I'm already more in my, okay, I'm aware that I'm not in danger. I can see myself. So I have, like, you know how we talk about having the sunglasses on and they get darker and darker the more upset we get. I kind of. Well, so just to be clear, this is a model that we talk about where that when we're in our grounded, green, integrated, balanced thinking, feeling self, that actually that's our smartest brain. And it's when we can very clearly without distortion, see what's happening outside of us and see what's happening in us. And then as we get more dysregulated, those sunglasses get darker and dark, more and more distorted in different directions. But yeah, thanks for that explanation. And so if you think about what we're talking about, moving into your reflective place, rather than staring through those sunglasses, you take them off, you still have the color, but you're looking at them, you know, you're holding them like, okay, my glasses are colored. And I know it. So I'm going to need some space. I'm going to need some time. You're already there. Yeah, you're, you're already there. You're almost like just what you just said. You're halfway there. And I want to talk about it even when we're not activated. Like when we're thinking about talking about something that's hard to our child or, you know, or we, we're thinking about it and we start to then start to feel our body activate. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we can just think <laughs> can about just, it. Just think about a fight that's unresolved. Just think about it right. for a second. And so you can begin to feel what your body feels like in activation. That's a great point, Anne. You're, there you are having the thought and then your state, but the feeling of threat starts to hit. And so that's a place where, and maybe what we could do in this do in this session, let's give some real specific ways to bring someone's body back into a relational space. For some reason, I'm also having the urge of like, let's know where we're going, right? So can we talk just for a minute about tells when we are in our open, connective place? And and again, connected could be just to ourselves, to the earth, to the world, to your community. When you're open and connected, maybe first thing is just wherever you're listening from, do your own body scan. And maybe you want you to get a sense of, you know, how are your jaws? What's your pace of your thought? Are you able to listen or have one of our examples maybe heightened your activity in your body? Yeah, and this might be a good time even if you want to hit pause for a second and spend the moment really reflecting and learning about yourself and your own habits, things that you can tell. I would say one of the interpersonal ones, if we talked about, I would say if we're by ourselves, what what is our heart rate doing? Do we feel like we can feel like ability to think about our thoughts and our body and we have that reflective space? If we're with somebody, do you feel open to listening? Are you sitting with somebody? Because this also happens just with anxiety. You're sitting with somebody and you start to think three steps ahead of what you're going to say because you're anxious. That likely means... That's where I live. (laughs) <laughs> it might, so you're in your protective strategy. Like, what am I going to say next? How do I, so to move us towards in that state, I love that example in that state, it would be, okay, wait, 
I'm not in any danger. This person loves me. Slow I've, the frick down. Slow it down <laughs> and just say, I want to listen. And the, So what is, when you say listen, say a little more about what, what that looks like, what it feels like. Oh, I, yeah. The feeling of listening is the feeling of openness. It's like, can you maintain eye contact and can you find interest in what someone's saying and hold your position without this pressure to speak, to interrupt, to interject? Because that's such a sense of peacefulness. It also means that you're not in your next thought. Right. You're really, I was imagining, you know how we used to talk about ping pong and catch mm-hmm. and stuff? It's the catch. It's like, I'm letting you enter me through my ears, through my eyes, through my heart. Like I'm bring, I'm hearing you and taking you in. I'm not going to just parrot back what you said. The experience is more of like, it's weird, but the word that comes to my mind is penetration. That's a great word. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm, I'm in this receptive place. Right. And you can tell when somebody's actually, if you're on an fMRI, you can tell if somebody's in that receptive place. Oh, totally. Thing. Oh yeah. That's looks the really way, different. the way that it activates. And so what's so interesting is as you open up and as you listen, you're doing two things. The thing that's so essential. One is, okay, if I'm a little anxious, I'm protective. Wait, a minute, what if I just slow down and I say, I'm in safe and I'm going to really listen. I just do that step. I'm in safe. Oh, that, I just actually like that. I don't know if that's what you meant to say, but that's like... I'm safe, and I'm just going to listen. The interesting thing, it does two things about moving in our, to our nervous system, and that is by me slowing down and listening to you, your body opens up to me, so you signal more safety. The other thing that happens is that you know our bodies are, are such communicative beings. Critters. Critters. (laughs) So if I slow my system down, I'm actually communicating to my brain that I'm safe. Yeah, that's so true. So by being able to go, I'm in my protective system. If I can move myself out of it, no matter what the story is, what relevance or not relevance, I'm signaling to my brain, I'm actually safe. And that calms my cortisol down. It slows my heart rate, creases my pupils, and it signals to my whole body that I can be more in a reflective place. We can just think like breaking it down into like the pace. And so what you're saying is like, if you can slow down, that's that's again, halfway there maybe. Like if there is a pause, if there's air around the next moment, you're in a much safer place for yourself and for the other person. But I was also thinking, so what's our resistance to slowing down? It's and, a great question. Yeah, because, you know, we feel more things. That word penetration, like we're receptive, actually receptive and can be impacted, which is part of what makes us safe to the other person is because right. they have an influence over us. But that can also be a very scary thing to do. And slowing down. And if you're thinking about it at home or wherever you are listening, if you can feel your body rise about slowing down, compassionately care about that. Take a look at that. Don't criticize yourself. Because if it's scary for you to slow down, there's a reason. There's a reason that your body doesn't feel safe. There is. And what you're introducing is that to talk to yourself. Yes. And it's like, but you are safe. And what is the urgency? So just slowing down seems like a really good one. Being able to be it could be this or it could be that. Yeah, seeing the options in seeing options. Yeah, it could mean this, it could mean that. One of the things to talk about here would be important is to be able to be aware that you're in your protective system and to have any, you know, the best chance of moving it is to 
learn, we must tolerate difficult emotions. The thing that's hard about our protective system, it gets protective because we have an intensity or a rush of what feels like a threat. And if we can't tolerate whatever gets activated, we tend to have to act it out. So one of the powerful things to say to yourself is, I can handle this. Oh, I love that. I can handle these strong emotions because that's one of the most important parts of relating to ourselves and other people. If we don't do that, we have to quickly come to the fix, right? That's that part where I have to be in the know or if I can't tolerate emotion like being in an unknown, I have to fix it. So I have to correct you, tell you you're wrong, interrupt you. Because if I don't, I might have a surge of emotions. I might have a surge of panic. Right. But these aren't thoughts. No. You're not thinking, oh, I'm going to panic if I slow down. You just are impatient. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you see, you know what I mean? Like, we're using words to describe a state that is often wordless. But I think that's why we're doing it is because we want there to be words with it. Because then you're going to have your hands on the dial. You're going to be able to better manage and if the truth of the matter is if you don't have your hands on the dial, somebody else is responsible for you. And that sucks. Yeah, right. Totally. That's the part of giving your agency away, right? If you believe your story and you stay in your story, you're actually most often giving your agency to that story. Yeah, Even thinking, what's my story? What, yes. what else could be my story? What story am I telling here? And could there be other lenses? And to be able to know that, like, if, if you're a person out there that, Let's stay with the impatience because that's a good one. I think we can all relate to a little bit that when you notice you start to feel impatience, one of the first things we want to do, if we're not aware of our own system, we don't know that we're in our protective system, we want to correct the exterior so that we don't feel it, right? <laughs> yeah, if you hurry, then I'll be fine. Exactly. So if you wouldn't dilly-dally, then I wouldn't have any deep feelings and we would be great. So now I'm pissed and really, and then if you say, well, you're irritable with me and I'm like, yeah, because you're so slow. Here's a key to think about. If you would stop being you, then I wouldn't feel me. (laughs) (laughs) What is the problem with that? (laughs) So stop and think about that. If we take our own ownership of how we feel, don't get me wrong. I still want to talk about what is upsetting me, you know, but if I'm the one taking ownership of my own dysregulation of my emotions, and I still want to come to you, but I need to really know that to come to you and have a meaningful conversation about something that you may in fact have done, I really need to be in my reflective place. And it's my job. It really is my job to get me there. Now, I might need help and we want to help each other. We're big into helping each other get there. But really trying to summarize here, which system I in and how do I help myself really get more reflective and get in my connectives before I come to you. So can you say a little bit more? You were started to say that earlier, and I think I diverted us a little bit, but about if you do recognize that, you know, your teeth are clenched, you're in a hurry, there's urgency. I often talk about it like the stakes feel high, and we want to move it to where, you know, what? so what? It's low stakes. You're, you're on a balance beam that's on the ground. You're not like 20 feet, you know, in the air with nothing under you. So can you say a little bit more about like, okay, so I realize, I feel like if I don't say this right now, I'm going, you know, I either have the urgency or the stakes feel really high. What next? One of the things is using your own name to identify yourself. I know that sounds like a kind of a shocking thing to do, but some- Sue, calm the crap yes. down. <laughs> right. Because 
by using <laughs> but just in case you can't recognize our names that was my name so i'm talking to myself calm your butt, butt down. down right so if you were talking and you were totally in a reactive place that you don't have to have this conversation right now you're going to go get your ass into another place and calm your butt down See, now i'm talking to me instead of the whole narrative being about you now i i always kind of tell people give yourself 30 seconds to a minute maybe the 90 second rule is better to make it be about the other person. That's fair. <laughs> you know? Like, right, right, right. We're no. not immediately going to go here. That's No, we're not creating doormats here. Right. As a matter of fact, the calmer you are and the more connected you are to yourself, you're actually going to, your power is going to increase. So much so. So give yourself 90 seconds to be really pissed and say, you, you, you. So I'm pissed and I, you know, in, in your own mind or verbally, but go, okay, and calm yourself down you do not have to push forward in this moment. It will not be as effective. And here's the big one. And I can tolerate the experience of what's going on inside me. Sue, you can handle this. You can slow down. And you, you, you can, can do this. It. I'm not going to die if I have this feeling. I am not in danger. I just have big feelings. And I can handle. I have big Z snap, <laughs> gorgeous feelings. I and they're beautiful and we love them. And I can handle them. How rocking is that when you go, okay, I can handle this. I don't have to be scared of it because now I'm just talking about me. Well, we can do anything from that place. We're like super powered. And there's some ways to calm your body down. You know, there's, uh, I think Peter Levine does a, an amazing job talking about just some strategies, the hand on the stomach and hand on the heart hand on the forehead. Sometimes just like uh, I'll put both of my hands on my cheeks, like like squeeze my head or squeeze my face or my cheeks, almost kind of like a, a mother would with a child that in a loving way. <laughs> Although I'm laughing because again, if you imagine that, your story will get introduced in that. So the same stimulus, which is a mother's hands are on each side of a child's head. <laughs> i.e. their cheeks. So I, for some reason, I just imagine like somebody like you know, pushing it off. Like, Some get people, your hands well, off me. That's so <laughs> wonderful because you're... That's the story. That's the story. For for me, when I think of that, it calms my body down and that feels so warm. If you're one out there going, are you kidding? I would whack those hands off so fast. That's your body. That's your body. That's your state holding that. And you would probably knock those hands off without even realizing why. That's the state. It, it gets triggered. Right. And it's for a reason. What's happening yes. is that your body does remember something that was threatening about that kind of contact or just the feeling that's in that and those cells remember and so they're protecting you but what we're what and it's, we're wanting and it's to automatic and it's, so that yeah, it's that's unconscious a, it's automatic that is a great example of the state follows the story you will hit those hands off those hands are not dangerous to you but you will hit those and you're not thinking about it you have no cognitive awareness but your body feels that threat based on your history and you will act that state out in your heart now Instead of, let's say you've done that to me, trying to be caring, and I do that, and instead of being aware of me, now I'm pissed at you that you did that. Like you were right, being and intrusive. You can, you can hear the self-fulfilling yeah. uh, nature of this because our story basically perpetuates our internal working model, which is why we're saying slow down, question your story. We right. love uncertainty. I'm curious why I responded that. I'm curious. Like, that did piss me off, but I'm curious why. I want to tell a very quick face story. Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> when my youngest was little, very young, like toddler, you know, I may have already shared this on the podcast. For some reason, it feels familiar, but probably most of you haven't heard it. So 
when my son was very young, there was some, I can't remember what initiated it, but he came up to me and he put his hand on my cheek and, you know, it was super sweet. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm giving you a melt. I was like, a melt. So apparently what had happened was when I would touch his cheek, his body would melt. And I think he had done that with me before. And I'm like, oh, okay, when you touch me like that, it's like my, just my whole body just, I, I probably didn't say all that. I said, oh, that, that just feels like my body melts. And so it became in his mind a melt. And so he was giving me a melt by touching, touching my cheek. Is that not the sweetest that thing That is so ever? sweet. It's like I could melt just ta- just saying it. It's like it really is a fact. I can just remember it or feel it, and it's him giving it to me, which is oh, which is apt. I, that is so sweet. And you know what I love about that? You were saying, let's talk about different strategies. Make your strategy personal. Like for you, so that strategy of when you're trying to calm yourself down, I think just putting your, your hand on your cheek and think about, Kate in that moment. Like if we bring ourselves into a moment of safety, while we're not, our whole body will respond in that and it will slow our whole system down. Yeah. You know, for you listening, it's like, then what happens right after that melt, right after the calm is a whole different trajectory. It changes the trajectory of what's going to happen, which is why that we're wanting to really help break this down and not make it don't worry about red and blue and green and don't worry about upregulated downregulated polyvagal we love it all this is all incorporated right now we're just saying are you in a connective place or are you in your defense system your defense department your, planes, your protective system your protective Pro- yeah you know we were using the metaphor of like the planes are out scanning for danger versus if you're in this kind of the peace and security department these are just other ways we've said it but so what, say it again, what, what we're calling it now. We're calling it, are you in your protective defense system? Or are you in your... your wait, not your protective defense system. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, oh, wait, no, I wait, like wait. it. I, no, I'm protect- sorry. You're right, you're right. Yeah, protective defense system. Are you in your corrective relational? Oh, okay, that sounds good. Protective defense, because that's why we're defending ourselves because we think we're in danger. Yeah, I think We mistake... That- I wanted to say something about that. We're defending ourselves because we think we're in danger, But what happens is that's what we're defending. But instead, we think we're defending ourselves from the external source out there, which most often not is not a life threat. And so that is why it's a defensive. But we get defensive because of the threat inside of our body. The danger is us feeling a feeling. Yes, that's the. I have a big feeling, and you stop that, so I don't have the feeling. That's right. And and really, it was what you were talking about earlier about expanding our capacity to be uncomfortable. And it's just a feeling. It's not going to kill us no matter what we're feeling. It's just a feeling. Nobody's died of having a feeling. I don't think. (laughs) Um, Somebody will prove us wrong on that. (laughs) No, not from just having a feeling. You get to have the biggest feelings possible. It's what we do with it. Now, that could kill us or kill somebody. But that's also just an inability to tolerate just the feeling. And so many of our negative interaction or conflicts that continue and continue and become repetitive is the intolerance of that feeling and the anticipation of that feeling. So your partner starts talking and you anticipate where they're going and you anticipate what it's going to make you feel, which is usually negative if it's a conflict. So it's the anticipation, whatever they're about to say is going to make you feel that bad feeling that then you get. And so you're going to do a preemptive strike. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I'm going to strike before. Don't you even go there, right? Don't you know? No, I know exactly where you're going, right? And so... Obviously, this isn't the answer to all conflict. 
but to slow yourself down and go, okay, I am interrupting because I am not in my system. And I can say, look, I am not being my best self right now. And so, oh, I love that. I'm not being my best self. I can feel it. I do not feel open to you. And you're so I can feel that I'm, I'm, I'm defense. I'm responding defensively. Give me a minute. I can't, I do not feel open to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take a break. That's talking about yourself. And if your partner's in a defense place, can you take some breaths? Can you bring the, like, can we take a break? And to know that that break is actually to calm, not to load your arsenal. That's right. And just one other quick thing is that the story following state, most of our examples of story follow state have been scary. And again, I want to say, I, I don't think that we are thinking that we're in threat. I don't think we think we're in danger. Our bodies are just kind of like the push off of the hands. That person's not thinking, I don't like that. They just, their hand flies up and pushes it off, right? But that's also, that story following state is true on the other side too, on the trust side of security. For example, you know, the door slams and the story that I tell based on all of our experience is that something's wrong. It's still a story. But it could be a positive story. But in other words, like, you know, therapists might call that positive transference. You know, you might think of that as just love, as trust. We're still filling in the story and we're kind of taking care of the other person. And it's like a positive interpretation. But all of that, we're still filling in the story. Another way we're saying this is if you're going to tell a story, positively interpret it. Like if you're not sure of two things, go ahead and give them the benefit of the doubt. You know how sometimes you'll defend somebody very quickly if somebody might be having a problem with them? It's like, oh, I'm sure they didn't mean such and such. Yeah, she's saying that because I do that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That, That is true, actually. But part of why that's happening is that there's a story there around the validity of that person, the trust of that person, or maybe even the story is I need to defend them from you. That's still a story. They're not even here. And I say something. So either way, if it's just like, oh, I know this person and this person would never do that. That's a story. And so what part of your system is the story coming from? Is it coming to defend and protect yourself? Or is it coming because you feel connected and you feel relational and you can give the benefit of the doubt? Exactly. That's right. And again, flexibility, low stakes, no rush, then you're in great shapes. Curiosity, then you get to have your stories because then you can play with them, right? Like, oh, I never knew that about that person. That's fascinating, <laughs> right? It can just like, you're, you know what? The other part of it is it's the smart brain. It will learn. It will take in new information. It's reflective. It's all good. This is super important. The more positive engagements that you build up, with these positive stories, then the safer and safer it is. Then you're is. on a different trajectory. You're on a totally then different trajectory. Then you're on trajectory. the trajectory of that the world is safe and you deserve. And you have the control of that trajectory. All right. If you enjoyed this content, please send it on to somebody you feel like it could use it. And it would be amazing if you could also join our support group, at, uh, our support network. Our support group. <laughs> Our support group. That's hilarious. Our support network. As little as $5 a month, you really would make a big difference in helping Sue and I produce this content. And as a bonus to helping us, you would get ad-free content and able to join reading pods and so much more. Ask me anything. Discounts on all the cool stuff that we do. And there are extra episodes on that feed. And we have also just announcing that our course, It's Not Me, It's My Amygdala, will be $99 for any of our Patreon members. And you get a discount on our merch, which we are just launching. And you can find that at therapistuncensored.com backslash merch. 
All right. Thanks for joining us today and we'll see you around the bend. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is edited by Jack Anderson. 